Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet. I'm not the fan. I'm your host, Wim Lewis, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors take care of business, winning both games against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I mean, they will be the easiest games of the year. Um, and all four games against the Hornets, the Raptors have made it look so. Well, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, it's not like the most impressive win, but like, is there even any room to look impressive when you're playing opposition like this? Like, you know, um, I, I think we brought it up on the show last week that the Hornets, like, they were literally selling tickets at one point for uh, for one dollar. You can get in to see an NBA team for one dollar, even with inflation in the modern NBA. So, um, you know, that obviously sounds like a good deal. But I, I gotta, I gotta like ask, like, is it is it worth your time? Is is your time worth it to see this for one dollar? Because, whew, man, watching the Charlotte Hornets the last uh, three days, it's uh, it's been a struggle. And listen, that's that's you know, with seeing Svi, you know, cook the Raptors. Svi Mihailik was a plus 10 in 34 minutes, and yet the Raptors won this game by 20 points, which means that in the 14 minutes that Svi Mihailik sat, the Raptors won by 30. How is that even possible, I ask? But uh, yeah, look, listen, the Raptors just needed to take care of business. And actually, at the start of this, it was actually kind of looking ugly. Like, it wasn't even necessarily like I thought the Raptors were playing so badly, um, but the execution just wasn't there. There was a couple of airball jumpers. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that the Hornets were going to adjust. Like they were definitely going to take away more of the pick and roll action involving Fred and Yaka Pertle. Like clearly they were going to play it differently. And tonight their decision was pretty clear at the start. They were going to blitz Fred. So anytime Fred had the ball, uh, with the screen coming to him, uh, both defenders would stick to Fred and really pressure him to get rid of the ball, not even in a position to, to be able to penetrate. Cause that was basically, what was the reason for, like, I don't know, a majority of his 20 assists in the other game, right? And so they played that part differently. And I thought the Raptors anticipated that well. And they were like, okay, um, if you're going to try to neutralize Fred, we can play through other guys. And so I thought, you know, they made a point to try to emphasize Scotty early on, right? First play right out of the gate uh, was a set play. They got Scotty a jump hook um, very close to the basket. I think he had one on one coverage, just like he did the other game. And I think he was getting guarded by one of their guards, either McGowan's or Svee. Like, um, it's a good look. He just missed the jump hook. Um, and, and, you know, they got him a couple of jumpers and stuff like that. He just wasn't really dropping. Uh, and I felt like, okay, the Raptors also featured OG a little bit. Now, of course, OG's shot attempts are always going to be a product of uh, how much the offense sets up for him because there's a lot of, like, driving and kicking to OG for three. I thought the Hornets took away a lot of that, right? But without Fred's downhill penetration off that pick and roll – there wasn't as much opportunity to get into the paint and then spray back out. Uh, and so they had to feature OG a lot more in terms of getting the, him the ball in a standstill position. And credit to OG, he did a great job. You know, I think they definitely gave him a lot more possessions to attack as well, in addition to Scotty. And even though Scotty went 0 for 7 with zero points, um, OG was really able to capitalize here. Um, even the overall efficiency doesn't look that great, but I got to say, watching it, it was very. Um, you know, there's just a lot of good takes from OG. Like uh, twice in the first quarter, he was able to drive in for two-handed dunks, um, and a couple other times he was able to drive in calm spin move in the lane to get to uh, the rim for layups. And of course, uh, you know, with OG being able to you know break down the defense, um, there were chances for him to make extra passes as well. And he also had five assists. And so, you know, I, I thought Scotty, I thought OG played a really great game and sort of really carried the the scoring load for. Um, 
you know, that scenario. Because again, like Fred wasn't really, you know, um, able to find a lot of that space when he was getting trapped and, and, and blitzed. And so, you know, later on in the game, Fred was able to put his impact on the game in terms of the scoring. But early on, that was sort of the game plan. And the offense really did just like struggled out of the gate. Like it was 10-2 for the Charlotte Hornets after three minutes. And look, I was never really stressed like at all, really, because, you know, I watched the last game against the Hornets and I understand that like, okay, you play a little different way. Obviously, if you're going to play a different strategy, you're not going to expect the same results, right? Um, but, you know, it did take the Raptors coming in with, with a strong effort to uh, to sort of, you know, get themselves not just back into the game, because, I, again, I thought they were in the game, but uh, get themselves back in control. And, um, yeah, I, I thought the bench actually gave a, a pretty great effort, which, um, you know, I, I typically wouldn't say that on the season in terms of, like, that's what has been a positive for the Raptors. Of course, if you listen to the Raptors show, you know that, or any sort of program, you understand that the Raptors bench has been struggling. But I thought in this case, like, obviously, first off, like, it felt like the Hornets had, like, one good player tonight, and it was Fee. And, and again, I bring up that stat, right? He was plus 10 in 34 minutes, which means that they were minus 30 in his 14 minutes. Um, so when Svee sat to start the second quarter, the Raptors were really able to lock in on defense. Because, again, like, the, the, the Hornets are playing, like, their bench guys already. Their bench guys are starting. And third unit guys, I would say, like, honestly, it's like fourth unit guys that are playing for them right now. Again, like, it's only a dollar. So, you know, I, I, I suppose you get what you pay for. But, um, like, that is what you're seeing. And so what the Raptors, like, what they did was, you know, um, Nick shifted to a zone defense sort of midway through the second quarter, I would say after, like, two, three minutes. And that really cut off the Hornets from being able to get into the middle of the lane and create problems for the Raptors. I thought the Hornets did a good job of playing aggressive unselfish they played free and and on offense they were actually flowing decently um but yeah once the Raptors shifted to that zone offense with the bench unit and and the bench unit by the way that time it was Scotty it was Pascal it was Chris Boucher uh it was Christian Coloco and then later replaced by Precious Achua uh and then Will Barton so they had four six nine forwards uh and when they had Coloco and they had genuine shot blocking as well and, you know, them being able to play in that zone really did um, stymie the Hornets. Now, of course, like, it is a little bit funny to see the Raptors play a, a, a zone against, you know, what I have to say. Like, not even trying to disrespect them, but, like, uh, you know, essentially the Greensboro Swarm. Um, but, hey, listen, like, by all means necessary. You, you know, you, you started the game slow. You're trying to get back into it. You're actually struggling to get stops. Like, can you do something to get yourself back into the game. And I thought that was a good adjustment by Nick. And I thought the bench group, to their credit, no matter what the strategy is, you got to come out and play hard. And they did that. They executed. They were sharp. Um, they got multiple stops. They forced a lot of um, bad passes. I think the Hornets got out of the rhythm. I also think that, you know, you just had some pretty great defensive plays at certain moments. You know, Pascal coming over with the help side block was really emphatic. Um, you also had, uh, you know, Coloco making an impact at the rim. Precious making an impact at the rim. So, you know, you were able to get stops on defense. And, of course, like, against a younger team like this, especially one that's sort of newer to playing each other uh, with each other, like, you know, there's going to be more chances to attack um, in transition where they're probably going to be disorganized. And, and that's where the Raptors were able to really break free. And, you know, they were able to, to, to get some scoring, like uh, Boucher with an and one in transition. Um, you know, you had uh, Precious with a, a three on the wing after sort of a semi-transition. Um, and, yeah, you know, you just started to see the momentum coming back towards the Raptors. Like, you know, it, it was one of those games where you got some really good three-point shooting off of your bench, which is rare. 
Um, especially with Gary continuing to miss time, he remains out with uh, elbow and back issues, although you did see him on the bench. So hopefully he's able to come back eventually. Um, it would be great if he can come back tomorrow, for example, against the Celtics. But um, yeah, you got actually great three-point shooting off the bench. And that's where Will Barton, who obviously has been much maligned because he's been playing pretty badly, uh, was able to really find his rhythm. And, you know, he actually was the Raptors' leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, he had 20 points, which is third on the Raptors. Uh, Pascal had 22, Chris Boucher had 21. But Will Barton was able to come off the bench and score six threes, including four in the first half. And, um, yeah, some of those were catch-and-shoot threes that were open. Um, but then again, he hadn't been making those when he had the opportunity in other games previously. And then he also got some pull-up threes as well. Some of those were contested pull-up threes too. Some good ball movement as well. The Raptors started figuring out, okay, okay, this is if you want to, you know, play the pick-and-roll this way, you know, they were actually able to make a couple extra passes out of that and swing the ball and get it opposite side. And, like, you know, Will was a recipient of that. Chris Boucher got was a recipient of that. But, you know, Will was really able to supply three-point shooting and actual bench scoring off the bench which uh, was really able to take a lot of the pressure off of the starters, was able to limit their minutes. Like The Raptors didn't bring their starters back in to the second quarter um, with, until like two minutes left in the fourth, or in, 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 in the quarter. And, uh, you know, even that, like I think Scotty actually sat for that stretch too. So the Raptors were able to rule off this 29-9 to run, thanks in large part to uh, the bench who got it started. And, of course, like, yeah, then that's where, you know, the um, – the starters, when they started to shuffle back in, they started to make great plays as well. You know, OG um, with a with a post up double team comes to him, uh, shovel pass to Yaka Proto onto the basket with the signature up fake, and then step through finish layup. Um, you had Fred with the steal, then Will Barton kind of saving it from going out of bounds, then OG pushing in transition and Siakam finishing at the basket. You had Fred with the steal drive up fake to Siakam. Um, Fred actually stole the ball, pushed it ahead, drew two defenders to him going up for the shot, and then tossed it behind him for Siakam to finish it. Um, and then, yeah, Siakam had another play where he drives, uh, attacks a closeout, gets around his man, gets to the basket, misses the layup, but Jacoparto's there for the putback. And so the starters start to bring in that energy as well. And again, that 29-9 to run allowed the Raptors go into halftime up 12. And and at that point, you're not really stressed. Well, again, like you really shouldn't have been stressed about this game. Like The, the Hornets will eventually let you win. Um, I, I even thought that even though speed played 34 minutes, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, he wasn't brought back into the game in the second quarter when the Raptors shifted the zone. I guess sometimes you see this and you're just like, this is either really bad coaching or it's like very good coaching in terms of being purposefully tanking. And so typically if you have one shooter, um, and the opponent's in a zone, you would want to bring in that zone buster, which in this case for the Hornets is Svi, but they actually selectively didn't play Svi until later on in the second quarter, which, uh, was interesting from Steve Clifford. But anyway, the Raptors are up 12. They go into halftime. How do you just close it out? Right. And, and look, listen, that, that it's really just about, if you come out in the third quarter with, with some strong energy, you should be good. And even though I thought it was kind of still up and down, you know, I thought the Hornets were able to to, to break free a couple of times. You know, it was unfortunate. They, they they did make some pretty tough threes throughout the course of the game. There was a play where Kobe Simons, Kobe Kobe Simmons, um, he was able to make like a running fadeaway three. I mean, honestly, not even joking. He probably yelled Kobe as he as he mailed as he hit it because it was one of those type of shots. Um, then you had like James Booknight uh, in the corner fade away over two Raptors defenders who are both bigger than him, and he knocks that down. You know, and you had Svi, who honestly was just looking so impressive 
uh, and hitting a lot of shots. That kept the, the Hornets close. And at one point, the Hornets even had the lead back down to like, or the deficit back down to like five points, maybe seven points. And, it, it, you know, I mean, they had like a 9-2 run and, and it was like, okay, are the Raptors really going to not cut into this advantage? And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Raptors just woke up from that point onward. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, okay, yeah, they're 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 in a bit of a lull. That you know, they had a lot of opportunities where they give it to Scotty and he missed some threes that were pretty wide open. They got him in the ball in the post against V one on one, and he went to a turnaround jumper immediately without even looking to attack. So you know, there were some empty possessions. Pascal airballed a three in that stretch too. So you know. Um, but yeah, the Raptors were able to turn it back around. And, uh, you know, it started with Pascal hitting a short turnaround jumper over Kai Jones. Uh, you had OJ Anobi with a block on Svi. You had OJ Anobi with a great pass inside to Yaka Pirtle. Fortunately, he doesn't get the assist, but Yaka got a wide open layup. Missed it, but Pascal was there for the tip in. Um, and then you had an interesting play where kind of the play broke down. One of those scenarios where Fred um, maybe over dribbled, but to be honest, the play just didn't materialize. And of course, okay, you still have the ball, late shot clock, you got to create something. Drives to the rim. I thought there was contact, but they didn't call it. And Fred kind of fell hard on his left side, stayed down for a little bit. Uh, Nick called timeout. Uh, clearly, Fred was able to play through it because, you know, he just remained on the court after that uh, whistle. And, um, yeah, after the, the the stoppage in play, Fred went into sort of a mini "don't poke the bear" style push, where you know he drove it hard for an uh, and one. Um, that was as part of a two for one. He had that with like I think thirty four seconds left uh, on the uh, on the third quarter, and so he's able to make that. Then the next possession, he's guarding James Booknight, pressures him, pressures him, pressures him until you know Booknight has to put up a shot to beat the clock, and then Fred puts his hands in there, strips him. Unfortunately, the officials didn't award him the change in possession, um, which is annoying. I feel like, you know, I don't know. It's it's similar to like playing the advantage in a way, but it would be cool, especially if you got the steal. Like you should be able to sort of continue that on that opportunity. But okay, so they don't actually give him that opportunity. So the Raptors have to reset against a dead uh, in, in a half court setting. And that's where the Raptors just inbounded to Fred. He holds it for like three seconds until the shot clock or the game clock is pretty much done to end the third quarter. And he pulls up from 30, knocks that down as well. And so th- even though the Raptors had a bit of a lull in the third quarter, you know, I thought through uh, Fred and also just through OG, just continue to play well, uh, they were able to push the lead back up 19 uh, heading into the fourth quarter. And yeah, I mean, at that point, it was fairly simple. Um you know, you had Will Barton hitting some mid-range jumpers. Will Barton pulling up for three. Um, you had, you know, Pascal driving a kick into Barton for three. Um, you had Pascal getting fouled on back-to-back possessions. You had OG with a spin move in the lane. And, yeah, it got to the point where, oh, yeah, Will Barton drove baseline, hit Chris Boucher opposite corner for three. Like, again, it really helps to have bench scoring, right? Like, obviously, you're not going to rely on any of these things consistently from, you know, Chris or from uh, from Will, but the fact that you actually got those really just made it so much easier. Like, okay, now the, the emphasis isn't on the starters to carry everything. And, and to be honest, with all those guys getting trapped and double teamed, there are more opportunities for these guys to score. And so that really helped the, the cause. And, and yeah, it was kind of an ideal scenario. The Raptors were able to empty their bench with about four minutes left, which, t- I mean, to be honest, I think in the past, you might have been more comfortable emptying the bench slightly earlier. But Nick has talked about the idea that, like, there's so many comebacks in today's league, and um, you just can't really take things for granted, right? And you have to be really, really careful. And so, of course, the worst thing you could have come out of this game with is a loss um, because you absolutely need all of these games. And so, 
yeah, the Raptors were able to at least, you know, maintain the lead until there was only like four minutes left and then put in the, the, the third stringers for Toronto who, you know, I mean, look, listen, did they do much? No, not really. Um, Malika came in 0 for 1, Jeff Down 0 for 1, Lana 0 for 1, Ron Harper 0 for 1, uh, Wieskamp didn't get a shot off. So no, they didn't do much is, is what I'm, I'm literally saying, but um, yeah, I mean, at that point, the game was pretty much over, right? And again, the, the Hornets are also putting in their, like, fourth stringers, too. So, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of an easy win. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm, I'm really happy about um, the, the bench guys. I, I, you know, Chris, we've seen have him have good games off the bench. I, I think there's definitely an appreciation for what Chris does. You, we know that offensively he can, he's liable to pop off sometimes. And you, and typically when Chris pops off, like um, – it's it's a pretty efficient night because Chris is not a guy who's going to take a lot of shots or force his offense. But what you do know is he's going to go hard to the basket, uh, either you know on putbacks or on the occasional roll to the rim or cuts to the basket. And so you know he's either going to get a look at the rim, which is efficient, or he's going to get fouled, which is efficient. And of course, you know that Chris loves to sort of toss in some threes here and there as well. And he didn't overdo it. He wasn't chucking the threes. He was mostly being selective with it, but he was also being uh, aggressive with it too. A lot of driving and kick sequences. Like, look, there's not that many better options. Like, if if Chris is open on that driving kick three, like, just take it. And um, yeah, you know, I thought he stepped into everything with confidence. That really helped. We've seen this kind of games from Chris before, though, so that's not a surprise. I think the Will Barton part is a bit of a surprise to people. Um, here because of the fact that obviously will has not had you know uh, a good game since since arriving as a raptor and i'm look i'm sympathetic to that like i really am like you know some of these are like wide open shots and and they're within the rhythm and he's just not knocking those down like he, he, there's no way he's been in the league for like 12 years and he can't knock down a wide open jumper right or especially as a guard like obviously we know that he was struggling and there was an element of bad luck that sort of factored and he's not a 20 percent shooter like you can look at the balance of his entire career and it's not just like, oh, only Jokic was the one passing to him. Like, come on. Like, I'm sure that absolutely helped him. But again, that didn't help him shooting like from 43% in his career and 35% from three to to 20% overall, which he was in Toronto. Um, and so, yeah, it was good to see him come and deliver, though. Because again, at this point, we're not really expecting all that much. But he he's had these type of games. Um, like even this season, for example, right? Uh, you know, you had a scenario where, you know, on a back-to-back stretch in uh, in December for Washington, while they had some injuries, Will Barton had 22 points, and the next game he had 22 points. Right, and and he's a guy who who just can score a little bit. And this was the idea to bring him in and sort of do this on a microwave level, but on a very smaller scale. Um, but yeah, you know, t- tonight was obviously one of the the higher ends of uh, what he's done this season. So 20 points off the bench in 20 minutes was great to see. And uh, it just really alleviated the pressure for other guys to need to create so much. Like, the starters didn't need to play that much. 35 for Pascal is whatever. Um, I didn't even think those are high-intensity minutes either. But, yeah, 29 for OG, 29 for Scotty, 22 for Yak, 27 for Fred. Like, that's pretty ideal, especially considering you're going to be traveling to Boston and playing the Celtics, who are also on, this, uh, on the first night of a back-to-back right now. But they actually rested Jalen Brown and... Uh, Robert Williams with the intention of playing them tomorrow. Maybe we'll see if they actually end up uh, resting some of the players who played today. Like, you know, I don't imagine they'll go all that hard and maybe they'll rest like an Al Horford or something. Maybe a Marcus Smart guys who are a little bit older. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be tough, right? You're going to play the Celtics, which is always tough, but especially on the second half of back-to-back on the road. Um, but listen, the, the Raptors are, are, are playing well. And, and, and I think that, you know, there's, it's kind of undeniable. I think since getting Yak into the group, 
Um, there's a lot more sitting presence on the team. Even a lot of the possessions where you see they got stuck, you know, they just kind of play a little bit of two-man game and Yak presents himself and stays moving. And obviously he's a huge target being the biggest man in the building most times. And so, yeah, that just really helps like keep the offense a little bit more steady, a little bit more ball movement. It kind of really encourages other guys to cut. They obviously have that little flex action where they're able to get Fred screening for OG uh, under the basket. Um, and they have options to play out of right now. You take that on top of the fact that OG is really performing at a high level. There's no doubt that, you know, even today where he was less efficient, I thought he was actually more effective because he was able to create a lot more of his own offense. Like it wasn't as much like him finishing sequences from others. Um, you know, even stuff like that, like, I, I think it's it's working well. And, of course, in this matchup, like, Pascal's going to eat. Like, he's really going to feast, man. It, it wasn't even like he, um, he, like, for example, I don't, I think he only made, like, one jumper in this game. But he got to the rim repeatedly, you know, led the Raptors in rebounding with 14, four assists, two steals, two blocks, 22 points. Like, you know, you have that baseline that you're going to get pretty much on a consistent basis. And, yeah, the, the Hornets made adjustments and neutralized Fred. But at the same time, Fred was still able to sort of give you those little spurts, right? Like, like at the end of the third quarter where he put the Raptors with a ton of momentum heading into the fourth up 19. Uh, and then meanwhile, he was good on defense. He was good in terms of setting up the ball. Even though he was trapped all, a lot of the game, he didn't have a single turnover. So that was strong. And, and, and that's where I think on a, looking forward to the Celtics game tomorrow, like you just need a stronger effort for some of these guys. Like Scotty, for example, the 0 of 7. You know, I, I, look, I'm not going to really harp on it because it didn't really impact the bottom line here. Um, but I, I, my, my mind of it is on, uh, it's on two things. Number one, like, um, it, it's, it's not like he didn't necessarily have the ball. Um, there were opportunities where he just wasn't really looking to score. Now, of course, when you're really off like this, you don't need to force your shot. I get it. That's one angle. That's one way to look at it. But, um, you know, the, 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 the catch and shoot threes, I'm, I'm fine with him taking those. Those are opportunities that, you know, the offense is providing for him. And so if you don't end up taking the shots you're supposed to take, even if you're not the highest percentage shooter, like, you know, those are just shots you need to take within the rhythm. I don't mind those at all. I, I do think that, like, yes, he's been hitting an, on a really nice rhythm right now on the mid-range jumpers. We've seen a couple of games where he's able to make those with some regularity. Um, I, I do think that there are op- other opportunities for him to get closer to the basket. I think in, in those post-ups, there's, especially because he's getting guarded one-on-one, right? It's not even, like, again, the context of the scoring matters. Like, you know, Pascal is getting, you know, facing a second defender. Fred was facing a second defender. OG, as the game went on, faced a second defender, right? That's just what happens. Um, but if you're in single coverage, like, especially when you're getting guarded by a smaller guy, again, it was like him going against V. Like, t- you know, take a few dribbles, you know, see what you can do. Can you get close to the basket? Is a jump hook an option? Is a hard take an option? Can you draw a foul in those scenarios? And if not, of course, the turnaround jumper is a good balance um, and a good counter. But going to your counter in some of those plays, it just kind of like really allowed him to settle. Um, yeah, and, and you know, even the turnovers. Like, okay, so he only had one turnover, but he had like he like collapsed after trying to throw a no look lob to Precious, which wasn't completed. It was picked off, and then I think the guy who picked him off jumped, landed on Scotty, and so there was a slight moment there. Where it was like, yo, did he just get injured on on this nothing kind of play, which would have been very very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, you had like sequences like that, or you had another one where you try to throw a lob to Chris at the start of the fourth quarter. Like it just, so far, I just didn't really think that, you know, they weren't really like positive plays. Um, and so look, obviously it didn't really matter in this case, you're going to beat the Hornets with or without any scoring, um, from Scotty or offensive creation from Scotty. But at the same time, like, you know, we do have standards and I do think that, you know, he's 
like much better of a player to sort of come out with this kind of game. And so I'm looking forward to a bigger bounce back um, against Boston in both those games. Um, you know, we have seen like obviously against the Hornets, it, it doesn't really matter, but against the Celtics, everyone's contributions are really going to matter. And um, yeah, it, it, I'm not, I don't really see the Raptors winning against the Celtics if Scotty lays an egg like this. So um, clearly it's an aberration though. I mean, it's not like he has a lot of zero point games. It's, it, it's kind of one of those games where, okay, he's quiet through three quarters, but Maybe fourth quarter, Scotty will happen, and even that really didn't come around. But um, I don't know. It's it, it's it wasn't really a cause for concern. I said like it wasn't like he was injured, and therefore he, he like had this really quiet game. I just think that he just never really got into it and didn't make great reads. So it happens, um, you know. And I think that uh, yeah, it's one of the benefits of being young too. Like I think an older player has this kind of game. It, you know, it's a very different reception, right? Any of the other starters, Pascal, OG, Yak, Fred, they have a game like this. It'd be a very different tone. But I think with Scotty, like being young, kind of, you know, essentially always gives you that pass. So, but hopefully, like, again, like the, it, 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 the pass is also relevant on the fact that it's the Hornets. Against the Celtics, it's got to be better. So, uh, again, in terms of your three stars to wrap up the show, delighted to announce Will Barton as the first star. No, uh, he will get a star, but he's not the first star. Um, Honestly, I'm going to give OG the first star. I really liked what OG brought to this game. 17 points, two rebounds, five assists, two steals. Um, look, I, Pascal was more effective than him. Pascal created more than him. But, I mean, what I'm trying to say with this OG thing is there aren't that many plays throughout the season or games throughout the season where I'm like, I'm really impressed with OG's reads and his decision-making and his ability to create offense. Right, he's always able to catch and shoot. He's always able to finish offense, which is great. It's an amazing part of the game, and it's probably the more important part of his offensive game. But I do think that you know, seeing him being able to create his own offense uh, is sort of that next step. You add that part with his additional, his existing base of of that skill set of being with the catch and shoot and being in transition and cutting on top of the defense. I'm just talking about offense right now, but. That's how OG gets on the next level. And so it's nice to see him showcase more of that, especially in a game where, look, again, like this is against the Hornets. Like, you know, you can try a couple of things, and uh, OG looked good. Your second star, I'll give that to Pascal 22 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. I mean, like, he was excellent. I mean, the, uh, 50% from the field as well, went to the foul line, you know, seven times, made six of those. Um, yeah, pretty good. And then, yeah, your third star, uh, yeah, I mean, look, listen, uh, with all due respect to Chris Boucher, who did have a great impact on this game, I'll give it to Will, uh, 20 points, six threes. Um, uh, wow, 20 points, all jumpers, because that, that, that one two he made was also a mid-range pull-up. So um, he, he had a great game, plus 26 points uh, off the bench. So that's awesome. Your Gerald Henderson Award winner, once again, that's going to go to Sfima Hylik. I mean, he was just so impressive. Uh, it felt like the more open looks he was actually missing – like, twice he had, like, a, a late closeout from Scotty, who had to sort of leave his feet and jump out and, and sort of do his screaming closeout. Um, and then he just kind of both times sidestepped and got wide open looks, but he missed those. However, when he had super contested, like, everyone's all over him, mid-range step-back jumper fading on the baseline, all this kind of stuff, he's making all of those. It's kind of wild to see from Svee. Um, yeah, it's just impressive, man. Good for him, man. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. A plus 10 in a 20-point blowout. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> Good for him. So that does it for the Ragpot. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, the Raptors play again tomorrow, so check uh, back in for uh, that one. In the meantime, I'm keeping a close eye on uh, Hawks-Bulls. Obviously, this game will be over well before uh, the pod is uploaded. But right now, the Hawks have been in control this whole game. They're up nine with nine minutes left. So, I mean, look, if the, if, if this stays the way it is, 
The Raptors will remain in ninth somehow once again. It's so annoying catching this team, but uh, yeah, you know the Raptors can only control what they control. If they if they take a win against Boston and they come home against what was promised to be a shorthanded Bucks team, um, they'll be in a good spot. But right now, you know that they took care of business against the Hornets, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs>